folks, and welcome or welcome back to NTI's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Ziv Nakajima, again. And this podcast was brought to you, among others, by Emil Gorgis, a Tokyo real estate agent who specializes in serving international or mixed nationality families looking for the perfect family home. So Emil's in Australia. He's been living here in Japan for the past two decades, eight years of which he's been actively buying, selling, and managing real estate properties in the city on behalf of his own family and a great many happy clients. And he also acts as a mortgage broker on behalf of his clients. So his company has a dedicated loan officer in many of the Japanese mega banks. And if you're a regular listener, you probably already know him from our JREP, the Japan Real Estate Experts panel sessions. So you're probably already aware that the man is an absolute fountain of wisdom on all things related to real estate in Japan and in particular to family homes, the greater Tokyo metropolitan area and mortgages. And most importantly, he's incredibly generous with his time and advice, which he's more than happy to provide at no cost or commitment to anyone asking. So if you've been thinking about buying your home in Tokyo, but you've been sitting on the fence for a while, or if you just want to have a chat in English with a real expert, drop him a line on emil.gorgis, that's E-M-I-L dot G-O-R-G-E-E-S, emil.gorgis at tokyorealty.jp. Hit him up today and start exploring your options. So we're talking renovations again on the Japan Real Estate Experts panel today. And this time we're talking cost efficiency and maximizing results from renovations. So how to choose the right kind of renovation for the right purpose, um, long-term tenancies, short-term tenancies, holiday homes, owner-occupied homes, and so forth. How and when it's possible to save on renovation costs by using various alternative materials and design elements uh, with a bit of a focus on flooring specifically, which can be a big price factor. And then we riff a bit about interior space design specifically geared towards comfort. And again, we differentiate between long-term, short-term tenants and owners occupiers. Tracy then shares a bit about her own signature touch for her short-term stay Airbnb type properties and how to really bring these properties to life. And from there, we segue into staging and the effect that staging has when trying to sell or rent out a property, um, what's considered acceptable condition to return rented properties in, and then a few more semi-off-topic and really off-topic conversations like uh, more creative renovations, how to register a property under a miner's name and what are the tax implications there the unique hurdles involved in registering properties under the name of a native Japanese person who doesn't actually reside in Japan. Quite a unique and a surprisingly challenging scenario there and a whole lot more. So really good in-depth conversation as usual with the JREP crowd. Hope you enjoy it and I'll see you again on the other side. All right, we're back. Japan Real Estate Experts panel with our um, brand new and not so new now member, Blanca. Um, we'll do a quick round of introductions. Hi, you want to take it, Tracy? Sure. Um, yeah, I was actually just about to rename my uh, my Zoom feed. So yes, I'm Tracy. I am the short-term rental minpaku expert. I've been doing minpaku in Japan for ten years, so I've seen all of the changes. So been through regulations, been through a pandemic. Um, am a registered minpaku kandi. And also I have various licenses and hotels and that sort of thing. So I'm here to help people maximize profits with short-term rentals. I love how we're um, slowly 
converting the conversation to we've been through a pandemic, right? It, it, it feels like feels like we're past. I mean, the pandemic's not over, but things are kind of getting back to normal, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm going to be booking a flight finally to Australia and then to Cyprus two months after that for my little brother's wedding. Okay, Blanca, go. Hi, everybody. I'm Blanca Kobayashi, and I'm a CEO, uh, not CEO, I'm a founder, co-founder of uh, Agriform that is a bilingual reform company. We are based in Tokyo. We are right now about a week from opening a showroom in Matsudo Chiba, and we serve uh, the wide Kanto area. Our niche is that we are a bilingual company, which means we can help uh, foreign residents and property owners in Japan with their renovations needs, whether it comes to their personal residences or even businesses. So if anybody wants to set up a new business or renovate their existing business, we are there for them and we can offer them all the English support uh, from the quotations uh, to basically discussing the whole project and delivering everything in English because we have bilingual staff and we want to help the community to understand uh, that reforming anything is not that big of a stress and we want to take that burden off them. Yes, brilliant. And I'm Ziv. Um, I'm also co-founder and partner at Dupont Tradings International. And for the past decade or just over a decade now, we have been uh, assisting foreigners, whether they live in Japan or out of Japan, in purchasing, managing, and potentially selling their real estate holdings. Uh, we mainly focus on investment properties and holiday homes. And Bla Blanca, I wanted to ask you, um, mm. when you do renovation, like when we do a renovation for an investment property, for example, um, often it's just a case of we want to make it habitable by a, your typical kind of Japanese tenant, but we don't want to go overboard because you never yeah. get back via rental at least you don't get back the amount that you put into the property and i'm wondering i don't know if you've got experience with investment properties or not but when somebody wants to um renovate i mean when it's a home residence it's a home residence it's whatever they feel comfortable with and, and they want to live in but when it's a business or let's say an investment property or something where um cost and performance is more of an issue do you level your estimates for them? Like, can you yes. offer them, okay, we do this, this, or we can do that? And You know, that's why we offer the, the first consultations when we basically come to the property and then we discuss with the clients their needs when they tell us, listen, this is for me and I want to, you know, feel like uh, I'm having a castle, then, you know, we'll offer them that. But as you're saying, investment properties, we know the client would tell us, okay, this is an investment property, so we want it more functional. And of course, on the lower budget, then we do that as well because, of course, there are ways you can you can get uh, some of the cheaper materials and you know like cheaper toilets and stuff like that. If you do not need state of the art latest model of anything, and you can go, for example, uh, a model from two years ago, three years ago, we have some of those supplies as well, and then we can of course quotate. Or if they say, oh, we don't know, uh, we've done. When we've done the bathroom, for example, we had uh, three estimates when we've done our own property. We've had three estimates that one was that was like, you know, on the budget, one was a mid-level and one was the high end. And then basically we end up choosing the better one because it was for us. But then we also own investment properties. 
uh, and when we were even building our own investment properties, then of course, that's when you go on the budget because you're going to have people. And at that point, when you are building it or renovating it, you don't even know who is going to be living there. So you don't want to go high end. You go for the functional low low cost items. And then because you know you're going to be have to replacing many of that when the tenants leave. So we have we are really we are able to give the client uh, different levels based on the materials they might want to use or the base of the material we recommend. Because not always uh, the client thinks that he wants what is actually good yeah. or you know, you know suitable for the property. Sometimes people have an idea and you know we all have that experience. You kind of have an idea that, oh, this is what I really want here. But when, when the main engineer looks at it and looks at the property, he says, but this is not really feasible because if you do it this way, you are looking at three, four years and it's off and you have to change it again. So you can do, do it a different way and it will still suit what you need and it will be more economical. So, yeah, we do. We offer more. And even as you say, no jobs is, a, is you know small enough. So, of course, even if it's a low budget, we are still up for it because that's job as well. So what kind of, what are the main areas that people can actually save on when they're considering a renovation? I know, for example, when we do it, um, they ask us if we want, um, you know, just your standard wallpaper or accented wallpaper, or if we want a real wood flooring or like linoleum look like wood flooring. So what, what sort of items is, are, are the main cost savers in this sort of job? Uh, you know what, the big the big things, depending on what you choose, for example, for a bathroom. From the bathroom, you can go from one, uh, one million to seven million, you know, the gap is huge. So if you choose a reasonable size of a bathroom, uh, and then yes, flooring, because right now anything that's related to wood is really expensive because the wood went up uh, several times so if you are choosing something and you are you you are that set on wood first of all you know you will have a huge delays in delivering the contract because so that because of import is that why it went up and delayed yes because you are looking at ukraine and russia as the two main wood suppliers oh really i didn't and, know that yeah there's a big timber it goes and it's not coming right now so uh, wood went up already last year. Last year in uh, May was when a wood went up already. And right now it's, it's just crazy. So if you're looking at anything wood and you are relying even on just a plant, but you have to know that the price will be up. So if you, are, if you can go with, uh, for example, a wooden floors that only look like wood, but they are not wood, then you are saving yourself a big chunk of money if you if you can go with like the normal um, normal tiles normal tile floor, then you know that that one is cheap because that one is just few few thousands uh, square meter, and you know that that one can be done really well. And they have great designs right now. I think people kind of need to realize the functionality of the room that they are renovating, and and go with that. If they want it on a budget, then they have to go okay. So I can choose a flooring that looks like what I want it to look, but it's hard enough. So it's not going to be leaving dents. 
and I can still clean it easily. I always tell everybody, please look at the cleaning aspect because if you choose something that has like a small, small lines or small bumps into it, you know that that's where the dust is gonna go. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, so you have to go with that. That you know, you know, you can maintain it well. That it's not gonna be leaving dust uh, done dense, and it still looks good. So I think that's the main point. Looking looking at it from the uh, you know effectiveness and the price. So yeah, avoiding right. wood right now, avoid wood <laughs> yeah. as much as you can. But the the the, the straight Japanese flooring that seems to be everywhere. Um, uh, it dents so easily. I know because we've got it in our house. It's soft. It's like it's so soft. So um, you know we're only what four years into our house, and there's just the floor is just an, a mess. Yeah. So um, that's yeah, something so, that you know look at renovating that, at some point. That's when you re that's when you look into into the flooring that uh, is kind of more harder and has like more the cushion on the like on the bottom yeah, yeah. So it's soft but it's hard so you don't dent you don't damage it do they work well with the floor heating but like a gas floor heater you would have to choose one that goes with that but you know right now when it comes to the floorings like the fake flooring i call it fake flooring <laughs> uh, the catalogs are so huge you have a really really big selection of that mm. so you don't even before I remember when I when I renovated my house in Europe uh, years ago, uh, they would not even do floor heating unless you had uh, like tiles, big like stone tiles. Oh, okay. And in those twenty years, it changed so much. So they that you can you can choose different tiles. You don't have to have uh, those the really expensive ones. So, so you just choose ones that work well that are compatible with floor heating. You don't, you, don't stone, you don't see too many stones. You don't see so too many uh, stone tile floorings in Japan, do you? Because it's so expensive. Yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, yes. Tracy, you you do um you're big on interior design too, right? Uh, I'm I'm big on I'm big on space design. So okay, what I do when I you know when I go into a house, what I'm looking at is how the place is going to be used. So um, I'm looking at um you know people are going in and out with suitcases on a daily basis like you know on a regular basis so well you know get, you're going to be changing the flooring once a year right? i mean i'm going to be changing the flooring i'm going to be you know fixing the wallpaper because you know there's marks um you know, and and oftentimes even though japan the rule is you're going to take your shoes off a lot of people don't like and uh i know that <laughs> When I'm not there, they're, they're not taking their shoes off. I know that because it's not the norm in, in other countries. So, um, yeah, I just factor that in. And what I also do is I factor in placement of furniture so that I, I know that when people are coming into the house for the first time with their suitcases, you don't want to make an obstacle course because then you're just going to get more wear and tear on your furniture and on your, on, on your house. So you just make it really easy for people um and you just think about how they're using a space so the the design part i'm not i you know i don't claim to be an interior designer at all um but um i, I think about how a space is going to be used but the thing is my guests my ideal guests to the people that are coming to stay with me they're not they're choosing me because i know how to make their life comfortable not because i have a magazine worthy house um, yeah. So um, oh, it's just the clientele that I attract and that I deliberately attract because I know I can look after them the best.
Yeah. Then what do I mean? There are there must be some things that you're conscious of when you let's say you just got a new property for management, and there must be some things aside from the placement of the furniture that you know are a must to attract your right kind of guest, right? Absolutely, I have a checklist. Yeah. Um, Lay it I on have, us. <laughs> I have absolutely. I have a checklist, and um, and you know, and I have a shopping list, and um, I actually have a bunch of stuff in storage, so. Um, whenever I have a new place, I just go and, you know, I go shopping in my storeroom, which is great. Um, and then, you know, and interestingly, oh, there's someone at my doorbell. Hold that thought. <laughs> <laughs> so how's the business right now? Is it getting better? It is very good. Yes, we're now... Um... Again, we were talking before we went on air, we were talking about staffing issues. So we've lost our um, office staff at a, at a very bad time because it's the busiest year we've ever had to date. Um, so now we're um, experimenting, well, beyond experimenting, we've already started outsourcing a lot of the work that we do to uh, third parties. Mm -hmm. So there's obviously some uh, kinks and wrinkles to work through until it becomes a smooth process but it's uh, it's going well i think and and um yeah and now we're um hiring we've got a lady coming in after golden week who's going to be taking over office admin um nice. she looks good hopefully she would be good yes. so yeah uh, busiest busiest time ever for us but uh we're happy yeah no yeah complaints. that's fantastic that um, is fantastic i hope it's gonna pick up soon for everybody honestly you know as you said we are kind of talking as it's as if it's uh past corona and japan is still so deep yeah. in the mess so mm. it's very it's very surprising you know hopefully hopefully japan will catch up with the rest of the world and yeah. you know open up before they close I mean, again yeah i know i'm thinking about it i, I know emil's going to um, australia in july and i'm gonna be right uh, right hot on his footsteps in august I hope we can get back in relatively easy. But I mean, I, I can't complain because for us, since COVID started, it's been crazy busy. First, because the market was soft and then because um, people had more interest in Japan. It's kind of, I think, because people can't get in here. They're even more interested in the country now. Like when I get back, I want to have my own holiday home that I can get to. Yes. Sorry, Tracy, you I were saying yes. So the design checklist. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that was someone at my door. Um, and so my design checklist um, is, yeah, so I s always start with, um, so ob obviously I need all the basics, right? Um, and uh, and I always start with, for the design part, I always start with the kimono. Um, and um, Kimono, as in dress-up kimono? For the walls, that's my signature piece. So oh, I really? Start, oh, wow. Yeah, I have a ton of antique kimonos in storage. And so um, I pick one that I like that's nice and bright because on, you know, when you're marketing it, you need something that's going to pop off, pop off the screen. Um, and I always pick a kimono. And uh, and then that's what I then use to then pick the soft furnishings and the colour of the, you know, the, oh. the colour of the duvets. Um, and I think my guest is still here. Hang on. <laughs> We're getting wow. in installments today, yeah. No, but we're, you know, life is busy. It, that's yeah. really good. Yeah, so that's that's what I do. So I always, that's 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 my design aesthetic is, um, you know, I have a kimono <laughs> and then and then I go, and then that then tells me what colour cushions and soft furnishings and, and quilts to buy from that. So that's about as far as I get. <laughs> so 
but I mean, I, you know, because it's a rental, I can't put anything like, you know, real plants in there. So I have a bunch of sort of, uh, you know, um, I try to get nice fake plants, something that's, um, mm -hmm. you know, because there's, there's fake plants and there's fake plants, right? There's, yeah. <laughs> and I try to obviously bring a bit of life and soul to it because, you know, I, I think, you know, I don't want that and I, my guests don't want that corporate, they don't want a corporate apartment. They don't want a, yeah. um, a hotel, like a clinical hotel or, you know, God forbid, a business person's hotel. So they want something that's got the, you know, and I have some tchotchkes and I have some, you know, photos of my team and photos of my family up and, you know, and also I have a bunch of um, uh, magazines and I, you know, the, you know, those free press magazines that you get on the street. Yes. Um, I have a bunch of those, you know, tour maps. Um, just try. And then also I have kids toys because I'm really big on families. So uh, kids toys, kids games, um, pack and play. So that's all on my list. So, so those are like perks, right? Like the uh, the child friendly stuff. And then, do you, are there any other perks that people really love and talk about after they when they give you a review? Like I don't know, like some people put in a coffee machine or. Yeah, um, I mean, we do. We, you know, obviously we have free tea and coffee as well. But the the the, the thing that people get the most is the portable Wi-Fi units. That's yeah. what's really that's what really gets people. So I have a like every. Um, I have the unlimited fast Wi-Fi at home, and but then I also they get that little portable, the little portable one that they can take around, um, take around the street. So that's so you have both. Like, wow, that's both. Uh, that is luxury because uh, usually yeah. it's a it's a it's a single one yeah. that people can just go out with or use at home. But you're giving them both. Well, the single one, the the portable ones, um, really are you know they have very limited bandwidth. They are not like. You know, even if you're trying to upload a YouTube video, they're pretty useless. Uh, and, yeah. you know, like I said, all, I, all my family, all of my guests are, are family. So, you know, often there's teenagers who want a game or they, you know, um, you know, Instagram or whatever. And it's just, you just can't do it with, you know, if you try and be cheap um, and put in the, uh, put in the, you know, the, just the portable, it just backfires on you in the long run. Yeah. yeah. You can't, you can't do that. Right now, I think the first thing everybody looks for is how's the Wi-Fi? How's the Wi-Fi? Yeah. Um, and also, I actually put cable TV in as well. Okay. So, you know, um, and, I, I, had, and uh, I collected up all my DVDs. So there's actually DVDs in all of my places as well. So, um, mm. you know, Japanese TV is a novelty, but when, you know, if you've been schlepping around all day, and you just want to, you know, if you just want to sit down with your family and like watch a movie, um, yeah, uh, Japanese TV just doesn't cut it. So no, yeah, it's good it's for the first couple of days for the culture shock kind of yeah. effect, and then it's okay. Talk shows and cooking, I get it. Yeah, yeah, or like, ooh, eh, yeah, no, I, can't, <laughs> I, I can't be on with it. I can't be on with it. Mm. <laughs> I don't even watch it, and I lived in Japan. I live in Japan for twenty-one years oh, right I don't now, watch and I don't. I my can't, so we I don't even have an antenna on the house. No, I can't do that. I my can't do that. Is, my son is fluent. He won't, he still won't watch Japanese TV. He just does not, like, it just... Same. He, he David doesn't do that either. No. He just wants YouTube and, you know, gamers YouTube. Oh, I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> We've had this conversation before about, like, yeah. a 12-year-old we have. Like, we have, our boys are, uh, I think, a year apart. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a different world, but David would watch, uh, he has some Japanese YouTubers, 
that he's watching, but TV, no, there's one program Sunday evening, 7.30 p.m., uh, Darwin something, I don't even remember what's the name, that we watch because that one's about animals and kind of like traveling around the world. It's 30 minutes. Oh, lovely. That one's nice. And even at that, sometimes people are like, uh, <laughs> really? <laughs> My son's into uh, Japanese uh, YouTubers that read um, read or tell horror stories. He's, he's heavily into that now. And Ooh. when he comes into the kitchen to do his chores, you know, drying the dishes or what, and this, ah, cut that out. Play some music for God's sake. Yes. How old's your son? Uh, 12, just started junior high. Oh, well, they're all the same. That's David. That's yeah. my son. That's, yeah. So it's same age as my, as my, as my David. Yeah. We're all showing our age now. Yeah. Um, well, and Emil, well. Who's, Emil, who's not <laughs> here, he's, he's all little. He, he's got all He's got youngsters, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, seven, um, five, and three or something. Mm. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm actually very happy that David is now at that age because he's already independent, you know. He does not need parents around all the time. He can do a lot of things himself. He can cook himself a meal if need be. You know, all that. Yeah, so he's very independent and it's just great. When you know, I'm very... When's he buying his first re um, real estate investment, Blanca? Yeah, I was going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> he's been asking about that, funny enough. He is very, you know... Uh, life or independent life oriented so you know he's because he's making money since he was two <laughs> he's a he's he's modeling for for quite a while right now so he's got some savings and he always when he gets paid you know he puts part of the money into his savings he invests some of it he he invests in uh in uh crypto of course because of daddy <laughs> Yes. Of, course. of course, you know, he's one of those 12 years old that has a crypto wallet or two on his, you know, nice. <laughs> yeah. on his phone and checks, uh, checks the price uh, regularly and stuff and updates us. Mom is, is, is down again. It's, it's going up. It's going up. It's all good. So he's one of those. And so, so lately he was asking, um, yeah, what it's like, how, how it's going to work when he can um, buy his first apartment. Hmm. <laughs> you know but uh, at this point we are telling him listen you have to first wait at least when you have a directions where you want to go to university and oh, maybe an apartment to live in you mean not an investment property no he no in no because i don't want it we have enough of those i'm not really <laughs> at this point i don't think that the kid needs to buy anymore um <laughs> My husband spent the past few years really going that direction. And um, so I don't think he really needs uh, that for now. But I think for it, I would, first I would want him to actually buy something for himself and then learn how to manage that and how to take care of the place, how to you know, fix it up if needs be. But he needs to decide where he wants to go. Uh, and he doesn't know that yet. You know, he right now he's in school in Japan, but he does want to go abroad for, for uh, high school. Okay. So, you know, you don't, you don't do that. You have to decide a little bit, at least a little bit your direction first. Mm -hmm. 
So investment properties are going to come later. I want him to first get his little place on his own that he will learn to first take care of. That makes you sense. Know. Emil, welcome because, on, man. Yeah, Emil, pleasure to meet you in person, yeah. finally. <laughs> yeah, I thought, have we, or is the first time? No, we or had one session watching... with the both of you, I think. Yeah. Okay, because I, I was watching the video as well of your session, so I'm like, was yeah, that actually I don't in think one, or was it a video? We, I think we've chatted when um, I was uh, connecting you with a friend of mine. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. That's right, that's right, sort of briefly. Yeah. All right. Well, Emil, introduce yourself, and then you can uh, then you can jump straight into uh, renovations and design, interior design, which is what we've been discussing. How to uh, ah, okay, okay. how to maximize profit without going overboard with your interior. Speak with crypto. Your son's done a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, okay. Yes, I'm a real estate agent here in Tokyo, so I help people find their own family homes. Um, I think uh, Zip, you do my introduction at the start and middle of some of these videos in the, the podcast. So that's me. Um, been here for 19 years and yeah, I help families um, often mixed, like, you know, one spouse is foreign, one spouse is Japanese or two foreign, foreign, uh, foreign family, um, but buy their own family home uh, in Tokyo and arrange all the financing as well. So we have um, bank connections, uh, the loan officers from the mega banks assigned to our agency, real estate agency. Uh, so we can do all the mortgage brokering function as well, included in in our uh, standard agency process. So any questions about you know financing, what you can get as a foreigner based on your um, residency status, how long you've been in Japan, employment, etc. Please, yeah, reach out, and uh, that's what I do, sort of in and out day to day. So happy to help answer any questions you may have. So um, renovations, man. I know that you've mentioned here a few times in the past that it, there's not much of a point in them. Um, renovating your home to be a dream home uh, in the sense that it's not going to take your property price up uh, significantly. Um, but what, what do you find with your experience uh, renovations for rentals? Like what's, what do you do for a property that you're going to be renting out? Um, if you want to make it more hospitable and find tenants more easily, but you don't want to go overboard and destroy profitability. Okay. So that's, that's, not something I and I can answer with like professional experience because I focus on home purchases, not home sales. Uh, sorry, not on on like renovation and rentals. Okay, so yeah. I don't really touch the rental side so much. I'm not too familiar with it. Um, we have no, a, with a your own properties, your Airbnbs yeah. or whatnot. yeah. So so with that, usually the standard process, like our office, we have about a thousand properties under management, um, and we have a full rental team. So we do when we have about a thousand properties is about. 10 or so checkouts like in the checkout like um uh tenants moving out per week so that's a lot of wallpapering and and all that sort of you know just cleaning and maintenance um and sort of bits and pieces so our office has started doing that in-house from about a year ago and sort of renovations as well for our clients and um, people that are buying homes and and things like that um but generally for a rental property in Japan, you just want to like tidy it up. You don't want to go too high spec, too high grade. If look, if the it, first, it depends on the what kind of clientele are you trying to get. Okay, if you if it's a place down in Azabu, and you know it's a, and people are paying eight hundred thousand yen a month, one point two million yen a month, you need to worry about some of the details and the quality. Okay, but when they're paying, you know, a hundred thousand yen a month, one hundred twenty, one hundred fifty thousand. You don't need to spend on the higher grade wallpaper. 
right? You don't need um, it to be so, you know, you don't need to go for the more expensive stuff. The kitchen countertops don't need to be very, very expensive. You don't need to put an oven in there as well. That's not very, very common. Uh, there's a lot like the, the toilets, for example, you don't need to get the high end one that has the automatic um, raise, like the, the standard washlet is fine. The ones with the electric seat raising and the seat come down and all, all that fancy feature, you don't need to go to that level. Um, often, I've got property in Australia as well. These little upgrades don't reflect in rent. Okay, the square meterage, the age of the building, and the number of bedrooms, that's the key factors at the beginning and location. Okay? But and you can differentiate yourself from the length of um, how long the vacancies, like, for example, if, if you're a cookie cutter property that's available for rent and there's five or six similar ones in the neighborhood, sometimes just a nice wallpaper can make the difference in, in you, people choosing you over another, right? Um, again, it depends on the, the property, right? If it's a one-room mansion, like a one, 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 one K, one LDK, maybe not like your design features, I think are not going to make such a difference. Like when we go to a more modern building, like even just looking to buy, okay? Um, when we go to a more modern building, like generally the sinks and everything are more modern. They are newer. They match a kind of grade for that building, right? So it doesn't kind of make... A, a great deal of sense to spend excessively when you there's a certain level where I think you no longer get the ROI yeah. from it. Yeah. Okay? But you need to like you can't just make it just rubbish and just leave it completely like dirty and uncleaned. A, a great example is a cleaning. Okay. When tenants check out and a new one comes in, we charge them a cleaning fee. And I think everyone's experienced it. It's like sixty it's almost a thousand yen per square meter. So it's like fifty, sixty, seventy thousand yen. I've got a three-bedroom house. The cleaning for that and the air conditioners is about 150,000 yen, right? Um, just when someone leaves and they come and do a really thorough, thorough job. Um, and that's, that's a basic expectation that the house is really, really clean. We interrupt this broadcast. I always wanted to say this. We interrupt this broadcast to tell you about Tokyo Family Stays. They're a short-term rentals company in Tokyo, and they offer a home away from home experience, which is just perfect for remote working, quarantining, or if you just need summer quiet to hide away from the world. So they offer a variety of options for families, for corporate relocations, or simply if you're transitioning between homes in Tokyo. Now, the properties are super comfortable, tastefully furnished, fully equipped with all amenities, and they accommodate up to 10 people. So really the only thing you'll need to bring with you is your toothbrush and maybe a change of clothes. They've got fast, unlimited wireless internet, dedicated workspaces, and fully equipped kitchens, and they're just a delight to stay in, a fantastic alternative to Japanese business hotels, which if you've ever stayed in one, you probably know they're tiny, they're noisy, fine for a night or two if you're on your own, but long-term or with a family, you'll probably feel you're in a jail cell very quickly. So if you wanna give yourself a sense of space and freedom by renting a real home with comfortable Western beds, including all the necessities like baby bedding, children's toys, high chairs, you definitely wanna reach out to Tokyo Family Stays. They've been at it for over a decade. They're a fully licensed minpaku or short-term stay operator. And as a special bonus for our viewers and listeners, they're also throwing in a breakfast basket upon arrival for anyone who books and mentions the Japan Real Estate Podcast or NTI. And not only for guests, if you're a property owner, you've got an investment property that you want to tweak for higher profits or a holiday home that you want rented out when not in use via short-term stays, drop them a line today 
see how they can help you maximize your property's income. And again, as a special bonus to our viewers and listeners, they're also offering a free audit of your existing short-term stay listings without any obligation whatsoever. So feel free to reach out to them at tokyofamilystays.com. Well worth your visit. And again, if you're in the market for a family home in or around the Tokyo metropolitan area, Emil's your man. Don't be shy to reach out to him as well at emil.gorgies, G-O-R-G-E-E-S at tokyorealty.jp. But you can also charge the, um, the new tenant for the same cleaning fee. When they leave, you need to get the professional cleaners in because that was, the, that was how it was presented to you. Um, similarly with the, the designs, like when we look at um, like replacing wallpaper or what have you, if it gets to a certain level of like, if it's a bit too tattered and just too aged, it's like, okay, you want to get quality tenants. Again, we're looking at the price points. It's not just trying to attract just a more expensive one because at the end of the day, there's a lot more important factors in the color of the wallpaper, right? In Japan, it's like, you know, you know, the white, the off-white, the beige, the ivory and the bone, right? Yeah. Is what the colors of the wallpaper. Um, and so, that's not going to catch someone. No one's going to decide on your property because of this wallpaper, right? It's the location, the size, and you know the, the number of bedrooms, layout, sunlight, so many more important features. So as long as it's clean and really well presented, I think they're the first, they're the key factors. All these other stuff that you would really like in your own personal home, these little upgrades, I feel they're not really reflected in um, the rental or even the resale value. No, I, I agree with that. But we, um, like in our experience, for example, once in a while we get a property become vacant at just a really bad time of year, right? Like the low season, just after everyone's mm. done with the recruiting and the university students started the new academic year. And then in May or June, you suddenly get a vacancy. Um, we have one particular property manager um, that works for Fukuoka, Nagoya, Kyoto, Osaka, a few other areas. And she is a bit of an interior designer. And we found that when she puts in um, not just not, not just a different color wallpaper, but an actual design wallpaper, like that looks like brick or wood or something oh, a bit more attractive. The accent, accent wallpaper. The accented wallpaper. And she stages the room up, like she puts in a few pieces of furniture in it that normally you wouldn't see in a 1R or 1K or 1LDK. Um, the vacancies do tend to become shorter. So like you said, we're not going to raise the rent because the room looks nicer, but People just go for that as opposed to the other room next door kind of thing, right? And the, I, I would agree with that. Like a lot of people, so the, all of us here in this room, we we can go into an empty place and see the potential. With like, absolutely, we've got the eye, we've got the experience. We can go in and we can see where things will go, where things will live, what things could look like. If you know this wall was gone, we've got that. We've got that wide in our brains, but the average person can't visualize that um and also you know believe it or not people with dyslexia can't actually don't actually have that skill of of um of visualizing they actually have to see it in place and that's why staging is always so good when you're selling um uh, you know when you're selling a property or when you're trying to rent a property having that stage and showing people the potential um lets people imagine themselves there it's much better than just seeing a blank a blank slate a blank shell so Mm. you know your interior designer does exactly the right thing because for for a lot of people they need to see it and need to see themselves in that space if they're going to you know fish out their credit card to to buy something yeah 
But I have so, a question. I have a question for you, Blanca. Tell me these, because, uh, you know, I rent a lot of, I do arbitrage. So, you know, a lot of these places I rent and I can't change the wallpaper so much. Um, but there are some of those self-adhesive, like, you know, removable yeah. wallpapers. What are they like these days? And are they expensive? Uh, it comes up, it comes up actually quite pricey. And uh, the self-adhesive wallpapers, they don't hold really well. Right. Okay. To be honest, uh, like if you put them, for example, if you would put them in a the room that uh, has uh, more humidity, they oh, do slide off. Yeah. Yeah, they kind of slide off. But if you do not have that many options, you can put accents on the walls, which end up looking better. What, like a... Uh, like a like a string you can put, or a... You can put strings like that or you can just kind of accent one wall or around the TV and stuff. We've done one uh, living room that uh, where they had the TV and stuff, they put uh, like a wood panel looking wallpaper. and oh, just, from, just on the back of the TV? Just on the back of the TV and then, the, then it looks like they have a wooden cabinet and stuff. And it oh, changes yeah. the room... It changes the room so much right away. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you can see when you come, I hope you will come for the Matsudo opening yes. in um, basically in two weeks. And the way we did our reception, we also put the wallpaper, uh, one of those really difficult wallpapers that it's like all the V-shape. I, yeah. I saw your video. I saw your video. Oh, and they, they, I love that one. I just it, love it so much because, you know, the guy, he's, the he's a real artist. He's like a musician. And uh, he's absolutely our type of guy. He listens to Afrobeats when he does his job. <laughs> I don't understand how he finds found us, honestly, or how we found him because he's like his taste of music. He's a Japanese guy, but he listens to Afrobeats and to to like our kind of music. And the way he lines up the paper and everything is like, whenever I watch him putting down wallpapers, I'm just I'm looking like. Wow, honestly, he knows what he's doing and he makes it look so easy. But then you realize, you know, how much oh, work goes. No, no, no. Really hard. It's really hard. But is that but the stuff that he was putting on, is that like removable? That or is that no. was that permanent? No. That was the, the it was permanent. Blue. Yeah. But the, the accents are removable. Oh, interesting. But, mm. but it you know, I cannot guarantee you depending on the on how big surface you uh, you put it on, that it will go off well okay because you know i've 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 got a lot of things to consider i've obviously got to consider the wear and tear you know different people in and out all the time how it's going to look in photos um and also how to get it back to the the state that it needs to be in to give it to the owner so you're anyway going to have to do a little bit of a renovation when you hand the property back right I cl- no, usually when I hand a property back, I, cl- I you know, it's clean. It's like, I, I'm like, uh, you know, I don't do wallpaper or anything, um, but it is okay. it is absolutely spotless when it yeah. goes back. Um, I'm, mati- you know, uh, I've walked into enough places where they haven't been cleaned after people have moved out and I've just gone, really? It's just disrespectful. So, But uh, you don't need to? You don't need to replace wallpaper, fix no, up? No, 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 no. It's okay. built into the, I mean, I've got a standard Chintai contract mostly. So it's built into the contract that, you know, a certain amount's going to come out of the, you know, out of my deposit anyway. Um, and, 
I've never lost a deposit yet. Never. Mm. Yeah. Go yeah. with the accents. The accents are easily removable and, and you know, they make, they make a big change. And you can cover up also some small damages. Um, I'm covering up right now behind our sofa because we tent sofa yeah. and our our former sofa was kind of red leather and it dropped off on the on the wallpaper and I don't want to change the whole yeah. wallpaper because no. of space like this. But bed then our the, new sofa, the same. yeah, bed heads are the same. Mm. Yeah, so our new sofa is also lower. So I found I found uh, a accent that goes well with also with our curtains um, and everything. And it's kind of a similar design. So it's gonna be there and it's just kind of sections of that space uh, behind the sofa and it looks pretty and it saves in a kind of, yeah. That's in your Matsudo house that I went to, was it? Yes, that's the one. So See her house, it is stunning. It is stunning. Mm. Yeah, we try. It's we octagonal have a for goodness sake. Who lives in an octagonal house? We do. <laughs> oh, that'll be yeah, one for the next. I, um, that'll be one for our next session. Let's talk about unusually shaped houses yeah. and where to put furniture when you're actually in there. So in octagonal yes. room, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But you know, you can play with the space, and I fell in love with that house because of the space that it has. Mm. So you know, it's 500 square meters. So I have a Japanese garden when I walk in the house, then I have my little greenhouse for my turtles and tortoises, not turtles, tortoises, and a little garden. And then we have the house and then behind the house is a space like our little gym and my son has a basketball court there and, you know, more flowers and, you know, trees and Sitting oh, up can, you up house house can you just stop stop that blanket? Just stop yeah, that. right. <laughs> and you've cut it out. There's like these lions. Is that the lions at the front of the yes, door? Yes, yes. We have there's a like lions there right now. Full size lions at the front door. For goodness sake. Yes, that is. You know that happened because we unfortunately had to close one of our bars, and it was a it was a sports bar, and those lions were gifted. Uh, to the sports bar by MGM. They were flown from Vegas. MGM Lions. <laughs> yes. So uh, my husband, of course, was not willing to let them go because their value is far bigger than just the fact that they are two huge lions uh, because of the connection with the MGM and everything. So um, when we closed the place, we uh, took them home. We had them, uh, you know, cleaned and resprayed and they are there right now and if we maybe we'll open something again and then put it back there but right now they are at home so we have lions by our genkan <laughs> guarding the property yeah when, uh, you when, said you have uh, you have to uh, hard stop at 2 30 right yes i do i yes. was just reminded that i have to leave i unfortunately i have another appointment and i have to run yep Good to see you. Well, it's a pleasure to see you all, guys. And I'll and see you next you week. And you'll have, like, invite me to the, the thing. So, yes. Barbecue. Mm. Okay. Definitely, that one's going to happen. I have to check uh, exactly on the date. Yeah. But that's like the first weekend or so. First, maybe first Friday, Saturday of uh, either first or second Friday, Saturday of May. And then, of course, when the weather gets really nice and stuff, we'll do barbecue. Excellent. Oh, we're getting there. Yeah, we're getting there. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I'm All right. Now. Yes. Awesome. Good so I'll see you, see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.
Thanks bye, for joining bye. so early. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. And um, Tracy, you're taking my wife away on Saturday. I heard oh, that no, babysitting I, duty. I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm not coming down this. Oh, week you're not then. coming. So oh, I was trying to, but because it's Golden Week, it's uh, they can't get the flights. So ah. I was so. hoping you're going to snap some photos of her in a business setting. She's very camera shy when I try. Well, we'll 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 make sure it's done. But I actually did have a real estate question, and Blanca's gone now. But I do have a real estate question. Is there an age limit for purchasing property? For a person to purchase? Yeah. Just for the loan, I think. No, no, no. If it was cash, let's say for it's cash. No, no. You can, no be, you can have one leg in the grave and still be buying now. Oh, no, I'm talking youth, youth-wise, like oh, like underage something. Do you buy, you know, do you buy something in your child's name and have? I don't think you can, you can buy something and put it under your child's name, but it's considered a gift, and then a gift, gift tax yeah. comes into play. Ah, uh, gift so, tax. So there's there's two things I think we need to consider. One is the gift tax aspect of it, because where did they get the money from? Is one because they, they're not going to get financing because they don't have a job, right? Right. So it's obviously coming from mum and dad, and is it a gift? But also, I know gift tax is different if it's for someone to buy a house because parents give their children money to purchase a house is pretty common so there's a, a bit of a, a buffer or acknowledge um uh break tax break for when that happens yeah i mean okay. but david who like blanca's son he has his own money because he's been working yeah. since he was two so, and so he's been saving his money. So he'll be yes. buying his own, like he'll be buying his own property with his own money. And that's the next question is, um, at what age can they legally register a property? Yes. Right? Because there's, I know you need to have a income, uh, income, sure. uncle, uh, income uh, certificate, uh, certificate right. to, to register, or you need a notary to sign your, your proof of, like so, some some people that don't have a uncle, some wealthy expats, etc. I'm sure Ziv, many of your clients who are just not even yeah. in Japan, yeah, almost all of them, yeah. That, but to have a Scrivener prove it, I don't know if there's an age requirement or not. We've never it's been probably, asked about yeah. that. I know that you can definitely register properties under a minor's name, uh, but whether I don't think they do it though. It's you on their behalf as their caretaker. You you're signing all of the uh, documents on their behalf, I think, and then the property goes under their name. Yeah. So that's. So yeah, I don't know if from a technical aspect if that's possible or not. I'll, I'll ask. Um, we have some uh, meetings and some settlements coming up just after Golden Week, so I'll ask the scrivener. The judicial scrivener who does actual go they actually go to the Ministry of Affairs. So basically, what happens on the contract on the sorry on the settlement date? Um, so we have a settlement on May 9th. Is we all get together and the bank, like usually the bank's office, and the bank will um, all, all of this time it's Shinsei Bank and Shinsei now is doing everything remote, right? So we are all going to gather at the seller's office, and then Shinsei is going to um, transfer like basically half a million dollars to the or 50 million yen to the seller. Oh, no suitcases of cash for you this time. Oh, no, 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 no. That was, that was like two months ago when we did the deposit. Okay. The, the settlement <laughs> is the most of transfers. Yeah. So um, basically we go there, the, the judicial scrivener checks all the documents, everything's okay. Um, the 
um, Jumi, your like residency certificate, all the identification, everyone is who they say what they are, all the documents are okay. They'll call the bank and they say, yes, everything is in order. Please <laughs> issue the funds. And the 50, million yen, the 50 million yen gets transferred into the buyer's account. And then it gets distributed to the accounts that you prepared. You know, so like, you know, 45 million yen goes to the seller's account for the actual house. Another two or three million yen will go to the agent for the agency fee. Another 1 million yen goes to the scrutinizer for the title registration fee. Um, some goes that to the uh, insurance company and all that sort of stuff. Um, and that's how it works. So anyway, we have that on, we have that on Monday and the judicial scrivener is going to be there. And on, the, on that day, that's what I was getting at, the judicial scrivener will actually take all those documents and a bunch of like power of attorneys that the clients sign. And he goes to the Ministry of Affairs and does the formal title transfer. So yep, the title doesn't the actually go in your name until after the settlement. Um, but you get the keys on that day, and that's when you go to, you can go straight to your house and do whatever you like. So I'll speak they to the can, They then. can definitely do that on behalf of a minor, but who actually signs the documents, I'm not sure. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest, if it's easier for a foreign minor to do it than a Japanese minor. Because a Japanese minor, say, you're Japanese. Like, I just, I just imagine, right? If um, in Japan, they, have a certain, they may have a certain rule that minors aren't able to do it. So they can't, maybe they cannot even register the Inkan Shomisho. Right, possibly. I, I haven't worked with it, um, but this is what I, I can imagine. So, a Japanese person, try, child trying to get it done, they're like, no, you don't meet the requirements. You're, you're not of the age to get the necessary documents. Whereas a foreign national can, they can get a power of attorney and the uh, notary to sign off or their, their um, guardian to sign off. And those documents are acceptable for a non Japanese, but a Japanese citizen. He's not able to use those documents. They have to use the Japanese documents. That makes sense, actually, because we've had we've had absolute nightmares when we have a couple. Um, usually, the husband is going to be a foreigner. The wife is going to be Japanese. They're living overseas, like in Canada or the U or whatever. So, with all normal foreign couples, the the scriveners, especially the ones that you know are not used to working with foreigners, they're they're. They're accepting the notary public certified um, documents because it's a foreigner. They don't have a hanko. But when there's a Japanese wife and they don't know what to do with that, they're like, okay, well, she needs to go to the consulate and she needs to get a Japanese consulate certificate. That she, and you know, she's living in Vancouver and the consulate is like 3,000 oh, k's away on the other side of Canada. That, that's just not going to happen. We oh, have to explain it to them. Like proof of marriage. I've got many friends that they've gone back with their Japanese, like, you know, They've gotten married in, in Australia, for example, and they've got all their mar marriage certificates at, in Australia. And they're trying to prove that now they're trying to come back, for example, with COVID, that there's a family member that they're married. Well, where's the Korsteki Tohon? Where's the Japanese document that says that you're married? <laughs> and like, no, we never registered in Japan. Well, we'll get it done. And it's just <laughs> like, yeah, it's, a, it's that. Um, yeah, so I think we understand that it could be harder for the Japanese Similarly to um, like when you get married, like I've made some, some of the listeners, well, a lot of listeners who are, um, will not be aware, but when a Japanese marry each other, a Japanese Japanese, one of them has to change their name. 90, 95% of the time, it's the wife will enter the husband's family register. And so that family register will be like the husband's, you know, 
surname, like head of you know, Nakamura, the for example. Yeah, that's still a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, it's like, you know, it'll be Nakamura's family register and then all the members under that, their husband, the wife, and all the children. And whereas with the, so one person has to do it. And there are some cases where the husband will go into the wife's um, family register and they'll take the family name of, of the wife. However, when you marry a foreigner, that when it like my when my when I married my Japanese wife, she wasn't like because she does not move into my family register. I don't have a Japanese one. I was just a footnote on her on her family register that you know my wife, a Japanese person, has married in the marriage history. Yeah, that, same know, here. Same, same in my case. I was a footnote, so she didn't have to change it. And then she could so. In the case where you know a, a Japanese marries a foreigner, they're not obliged to change their name. Whereas a Japanese couple, the woman must, or generally it's the woman, has to change her name. And I think you guys hear there's been lots of court um, stuff recently about it. And when one of the Japanese courts finally decided no, they won't, they won't allow it because it will disrupt or confuse children and their family structure. Um, or some, something yes. I, I, I think is, is yeah. okay. Sorry, 1950 cold. It wants its culture back. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh my God. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah mm. well, I just about the I, renovations. I didn't. I, didn't, sorry, I just, just. I didn't change my name. I got married here in Japan to a non-Japanese, and I got married at the Nakano Ward Office. Um, and I didn't change my name. If I wanted to, I'd have to actually. It'd be a real pain anyway. So because I'd have to sort of write back. To Australia and done births, deaths, and marriages, and actually legally changed my name. It was just like, nah, not gonna. So, yeah. born in, in Northcott, I'll die in Northcott. So, <laughs> hopefully, not too soon, though. No, oh my goodness. <laughs> um, yeah, we we're talking about renovations earlier, and yeah. Yeah, I think I made it's like we're doing just something a bit tidy, like an accent wall, a little bit of decoration. And accent walls cost nothing. There's maybe like an extra cost of like 5,000 yen per wall, not even 10,000 yeah. yen per wall. And the accent wall is like, it's still the wallpaper, just a different color, maybe a dark, often a darker shade. Yeah. Gives it the perception of a bit more depth in the room. Um, behind the TV is a good example of where they commonly put uh, accent walls. Or along the staircase, if I've got like the, on one side of the staircase, it makes it feel a bit deeper, technically. <laughs> Um, stuff like that doesn't cost money and it's more decorative and it's tasteful. That stuff is not is is fine and can make um, you know increase the the rentability of it. But um, I think we were talking about before like high end renovations, paying more for renovation costs, higher grade kitchens, higher grade toilets, um, fancier fittings, yeah. stuff that really costs significant money for rentals. Not really worth it because the tenant is just going to kind of use and abuse it and. You don't want anything too delicate in there. No, but mm. the thing is, the bog, the bog standard wallpapers that you find, like if you you know you flip through the wallpapers, um, and you know the the lower end ones are actually still really like you, you. You would, I mean, we have some high end ones in our house. We have lower end ones in the house. We just chose it for the colours, but um, but really, just the the basic, you know, the basic wallpapers are, are totally great here. So the, the, um, the cost is negligible, though. Oh, like the cost per, like between the the low, medium, and high tier wallpapers, the cost is nothing. Like wallpaper itself doesn't cost like it's like you know what is it, 150, 200 yen per per meter yeah. of, of length. Mm. 
So to change, to upgrade just a whole wall in a nicer finish, like just one accent wall, mm-hmm. is just really just a few thousand, like not even a few thousand yen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It, it's, yeah, so like when our office does some wallpaper renovations and stuff, like people are like, oh, but I want an accent wall in this room and that. We're like, okay, just go and, and check what the, like go to like Lily Color or whatnot, the showroom in, in Shinagawa or Shinjuku. Um, mm. I think Lily Color is in Shinjuku and Sangetsu is is another maker is in Shinagawa. So you go to their showroom, take the floor plans and just write on each wall what color you want. So usually there's a base color. Like all the ceiling and walls tend to be one, one kind of uh, material and then you'll have an accent wall in each room. Um, and then of course the bathroom, it will be a different one, like the, the vanity unit, etc. Um, and some people go all out with the different accents. And that's fine, but the cost is just negligible. It doesn't, it's like not even worth discussing. And if they want just ooh, one or two extra accent walls, just tell us what the code is and that's fine. It's like zero, zero yeah. cost. Yeah, when you do it. I think doing it later as a reno costs more to change, you know, to add accent walls later. Um, it is more expensive but you know if you're building or if you're actually you know getting the whole place redone at once then then for a rental labor yeah, cost. yeah. It's entirely, entirely the, the labor cost yeah, yeah so i think stuff like that like we have an accent wall in each one of our rooms when we built this house um i think that's that's worthwhile doing and you can really um like it mm-hmm. what i like that actually costs a bit is the um echo carrot tile so behind our tv we've yes, actually we've got, got those the, too the, we've got those as yeah. well yeah mm-hmm. okay yeah, and they're like little tiles and they're meant to technically absorb moisture and sort of give it off and keep humidity and sort of absorb some smell yep. and they maintain it. Um, but I just like the look of it. It's a nice, like, you know, hard, yep. like, you know, texture. tile. Mm. And because you can get the fake textured wallpaper, mm-hmm. which I think that's fine for rental. You don't want to spend 300,000 yen on the whole back on the wall. On no, yeah. On Echo Carrot, right? It's yeah. not, not for a rental, but for my personal house, yes. Yeah. Right? I we, like that mm, classic, yeah. Then, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, so they're the kind of things I was mm. talking about. I, I don't think that kind of nice upgrade is justifiable in a renovation, mm. but definitely I spent like a lot on upgrades on my house, just mm. on everything making it sort of the higher standard. All the taps, I think you, um, yeah. uh, Tracy, you bring up, yeah? all yeah. the taps in my house, the, the toilets and the bathroom and the kitchen are all electric. Right, or the automatic. You put your hands under there. Yeah, we had an episode on that. I remember the uh, features that you you might trying to save on, and then down the track, oh, why didn't I put that in? Yeah. See, I didn't. I didn't know that that was a thing. So I'm kind of regretting not doing that in my house now. Maybe if we ever do a reno, it's like, oh yeah, I want those electric uh, um, <laughs> for, for my house. Yeah. So it's endless. You know, the it, it's endless. But like, so just the the taps, like just a the tap attachment like you've got a sink it's really just modifying that unit and installing that mm-hmm. and the tap itself costs about 50 to eighty thousand yen new right they're not really cheap but mm-hmm. you jump on um yahoo auctions or mercari and there's people selling either used ones or their x display model Ooh, yeah yeah, no, that's and cool. like, yeah you search tenji him tenji him yeah. means display model um, for kitchens and appliances um, or sometimes the builder like it, it happens right and we've all experienced it we're doing a renovation or, or something and they bring the wrong item right it's different they ship the wrong one and they just they just eat the cost and they just they put it online and they 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 sell it um yeah. and you can get it for you know 10 20 30 000 yen Ooh, um, interesting and interesting. and you can do it yourself like one of my 
my one of my big regrets in our kitchen is we there's a the rice cooker drawer, right? And it's like little like hole in the cupboard, and you can put the rice cooker there. And when you're actually cooking, you can you slide it out. This has got a drawer. You slide it out and literally just kind of extends out. And so when it's cooking, all the steam just blows out and not inside the little square cupboard space. Yeah, we right? do that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when I bought it, there was a, you could get an option which has an electric fan just above it. And so you can leave the rice cooker pushed in there. And when it's, and it's got an automatic sensor. So when the steam starts coming up, the little unit at the top just sucks the air and blows it to the front of the cabinet. Right. And it just so it doesn't pull out, et cetera. And that was like, the option was like 40 or 50,000 yen, which is like, you know, three times the cost of our rice cooker. And I'm like, yeah, no, I can't justify it. We'll just slide it out. And it's been bugging me for like seven years. <laughs> every morning, every morning, that is, it's right there. So finally, I got it, um, guys. I'm like, sorry, we started a bit late, I, but I do have to go off to another call. I'm sorry. Okay. So cool. I shall, uh, sorry, I shall you abandon the. Okay. Thanks for joining. See you next week. See ya. Oh, no, week. we're not going to see you next week. It's Golden Week next week. Golden no. Week next week. Yeah. Well, I'll be around. But... Yeah. We'll maybe see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks. See ya. Bye. Bye bye. Yeah. All right. Trust you've enjoyed the conversation. It was definitely fascinating for me. I always learn something new when chatting with these experts. Hope you did as well. Now, before we go, we're also, as always, going to tell you and also link to our other sponsor's website. That's Hiroshi Shimizu, immigration lawyer and administrative scrivener. If you're thinking about moving here on a more permanent basis or you're already in Japan on some sort of a temporary visa and you want to switch to a longer term or permanent one, or if you're considering setting up a local company or a branch office of a foreign company and you've got any sort of business or visa-related inquiries, or even if you just want to find out what your options are on any of these topics, feel free to contact Hiroshi Shimizu. You can find him at japanimmigrationexperts.com and he can help you set up a company, apply for any kind of visa, or just provide you with the best advice and extremely affordable consultation related to these topics. And he's already done that for many of our listeners. So feel free to reach out to him. Again, that's japanimmigrationexperts.com and you'll be well on your way. And that's it from us for today, folks. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Japan Real Estate Podcast. Do share it with your networks and please let us know what you think. So leave us a short rating or review on the iTunes store, on Spotify, or just drop us a line in the comment section of wherever you might have found this episode. We love hearing from you. Hope to have you with us again.